This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing today? We're doing well online, doing well. I know some of you are disappointed that I didn't come driving out in a car today. Uh, that was a few months ago. I've grown up since then. So we're just going to just walk up. Who knows what will happen next time? We'll see. We'll see how today goes. Uh, hey, we want to do another shout out uh, here today. If you have just graduated from high school or college or completed your master's, uh, if you would just stand on up. We just want to honor you publicly as well. I know my introverts, this is like a nightmare. Yes, we got a few. Yes. All right. I'm going to ask you to remain standing for just a moment. And we just want to say a, a prayer over you, a prayer of blessing. One of the things we believe here at Emmanuel is this is a, a, there's a family that your church goes with you. So if you have someone standing up by you, if you would just extend your hand and arm out to them. And we're just going to say a prayer here uh, as we continue on. Heavenly Father, God, we are so grateful, uh, Lord, just for this past season, Lord. And uh, Lord, just for them completing this chapter well. Lord God, we just pray that you would continue to go with them. Lord God, we just pray that just that which is ahead, Lord, that you would continue to ordain that, Lord, that they would be spirit-led and that they would hear your voice, God, as you are calling them to the things that you have for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Can we give up one more time for our grads? And I know there's still, uh, there's a few uh, just families and students that might are still looking for like, hey, what's some of that next chapter? One of the things we just want to let you guys know here at Emmanuel, we have an amazing college uh, that's connected, Emmanuel Leadership College, formerly Emmanuel Leadership Academy. And so Emmanuel Leadership College uh, has several, uni- or, uh, several different degrees from humanitarian, business, ministry. There's just so many different options. And it's been cool because we've had a couple of the grads that we've had the opportunity to hire here at the church. Uh, pastor Allie Smith, she's our middle school pastor. Phenomenal. She's going to probably take my job one day. Uh, we already know. We're just counting down the years at that point. But uh, Pastor Brooke then over at Elk River and just some amazing people coming through. So just want to let uh, students know that are considering and looking for colleges, there is, uh, that we still have signups and that's still open. And the last thing I got, I have to say this, and I want to say this as a youth pastor, we got the best week of the year coming up, summer camp 2021 is happening. Um, and here's, here's the deal, I love camp, and here, one of the biggest reasons, there's just something special that happens in those altars between a student and God. There's just something so life-changing, these mile marker moments. And I just wanna say a special thank you to Kingdom Builders, because every year, We see students that are able to experience God at a camp setting that otherwise would not be able to because of Kingdom Builder scholarships. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart because we see, we get the front row seat to what God is doing in their life. And I just wanted to come back and say ahead of time, thank you, because we know God's going to do something absolutely amazing. So thank you, Kingdom Builders. Thank you for all of you that continue to give generously as we see the kingdom of God advance. And be praying for us June 17th through the 20th. We got summer camp. And like I said, we still got some signups available, still got some spots. It's going to be amazing. All right, I'm going to hop into my message here today, and I am so excited. Uh, One of the things recently um, that has happened, I know every year, we have goals, right? Everybody has goals or like, whether it's financial, spiritual, physical, different things like that. And one of the top goals that people set, right, are 
hey, there's a weight goal. I want to go to the gym. I want to get a membership. And my Nike app was so kind to remind me of all the years I've failed to do that. I was looking back and tracking like 2017, nothing like January, February, March, and then the rest. And then 2018, same thing. 19, 20, but to God be the glory. 2021 was the year. I finally, like, I made it past a couple months, and I'm like, I'm still there. Now, there's some things that about gym etiquette that I did not, use, like, get used to yet. I'm still learning. Um, there's screaming there uh, when people are really intense, and I didn't know if I needed to bring out, like, anointing oil for any, like, you know, just, like, of those situations going on spiritually. I'm like, oh, why, like, why are we screaming? Why is this so loud? Like, those, is it that heavy? Like, this does not seem fun anymore. One of the things I also love, though, about new habits is there's usually a subculture that's accompanied by some memes. And so here's some of my favorite memes that on a gym and workout side that I found from some of my friends they sent me. First one, the cure for CrossFit soreness is rest. False. The cure for CrossFit soreness is more CrossFit. For those of you that don't do CrossFit, it's, it's a whole nother world out there. It really is. Uh, cardio. Cardio is one I just am terrified of. But, you know... Can't have bad cardio if you have no cardio. Like it's a little hack, put that down. That's not even in the notes today. You can just, you just put that down. Uh, other ones for the bikers in the room, uh, doing Mori cardio. This is a, a way to do it. Bed Bath & Beyond I think has some options. Memorial Day sales would be some good ones. Now for those of you that go to gym and you feel like, oh, it's always too crowded. This one speaks just, just from the hills, it cries out. This is how we feel when there's an empty gym. It's just like the hills and the machines are alive with the sound of music of an empty gym. Uh, but this one is probably the most, this is the one that really captures how I feel before I step in. And uh, the top part is how I feel going. I'm talking myself up. I'm like, we got this. It's going to be amazing. And then if you don't notice, there's the stuffed animals on the bar. Uh, and it's like, why am I doing this, right? And I want to leave this up for a moment because I think this captures what I want to unpack here today because a lot of us here, there's these dreams, there's goals that we have. We'll call them uphill goals. Even biblically, there's biblical mandates and missions that we have from God and there are these uphill goals, but there's this tension because we can't accomplish uphill goals with downhill habits. You will never and I use that absolute very intentionally. We will never accomplish those uphill goals, those dreams, with downhill habits. Some of those uphill goals we see in Scripture that God gives us. Matthew chapter 5, we see that we're called to be salt and light. Matthew chapter 28, we are called to make disciples. Luke chapter 6 is a call to generosity. John chapter 13, we see Jesus call us to love others as he loves others. Not just how we want to be loved, but how he did it. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we are called to be witnesses, to go and tell the world of the goodness of Jesus and the hope we have in him. And these can feel like uphill goals. You're looking at that, you're like, all right, like I'm at the gym and I'm watching TV, I'm watching the news, I'm looking at Twitter, I'm looking at TikTok and I'm seeing what's coming across the screen and I don't know how that can happen here. And it can feel overwhelming. But I think there's a lot, if we'd be honest with ourselves, there's these downhill habits because the reality is no one can talk you out of something like you. Right? Phil Johnson is the best at talking Phil Johnson out of something that this world has ever seen, right? Like there is an amazing ability we have to make these excuses. Some of these downhill habits are selfishness. There's fear, apathy, doubt. 
and these things that play into our daily routine and rhythms, and it affects our ability to accomplish what God has placed in our, our life, those biblical mandates, those physical, emotional, spiritual goals that we might have. And so today, as we look at a truth that I just wanna unpack here, is someone has to pay. Someone has to make that payment. What do I mean by that? Someone has to choose to go and pursue maybe some of those disciplines, those, that worth ethic, those habits. Someone has to. Why? Because someone will always pay for it. Here's what I mean by that. Parents in the room, for, for those of us that are parents that you could begin, if you, if you don't make that decision, like, hey, I'm gonna continue to work on my marriage. I'm gonna continue to work on myself. My, I'm gonna continue to work to provide for my kids. If we don't make that payment, the kids pay for the lack of. For leaders of organizations and companies, there is a, an expectation for you to continue to grow, to become a better leader, to be a more effective leader, to be a more efficient leader. Because if you don't make that payment, if you don't decide to do that, your team pays the price. Someone has to pay. In our text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to look at verse 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians, uh, the author is Paul. And this is a letter to a young church in Corinth. Now, Corinth was one of the most prominent cities of which Paul wrote one of his letters to. They were very well known. They were a place of wealth, of well known for their knowledge. And so there was a lot of confidence there for the people in Corinth. And there was a young church that had big goals and big dreams to see God move in their city. But there was a lot of downhill habits. There was a lot of moral issues taking place within the city. And actually, uh, historians and theologians, when you look into it, they would say this is probably one of the most problem-centric letters that Paul ever wrote in addressing issues going on in the church of Corinth. So this really captures, once again, the setting of uphill goals, but there's downhill habits. So we pick up 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Speaking of eternity. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. So why does Paul choose to use the runner or the athlete illustration in his letter to this church in Corinth? Well, in Corinth, one of the most talked about and looked forward to events, if you will, was the Isthmian Games. And the Isthmian Games consisted of several different events. There was races on foot. There was horse racing, chariot racing, boxing, and wrestling. And it was like the original rivalry, right? Like whatever city or town you came from, it was one of the four big festivals that the Greeks would celebrate every year. And it was one of the most prominent and um, influential and most watched when it came to the people of Corinth. So Paul is choosing to use this because he understood the, how they followed these games. Now these athletes, in order to compete in these games, there was a requirement of 10 months of training to qualify to be a part of it. And then on the other side, when they would check in, there would be a judge that would connect with them who was also 
just um, stepping out of 10 months of training where they were learning what's the new rules, what's the layout, where are we racing, who's the competition, and now they're connected and now they are training for the actual competition. So when Paul is referencing this, he's speaking, if you will, in a language that they're like, oh, like, yes, like, I get that. And so there's a th uh, several questions I want us to look at here today, and I love posing questions because sometimes for me when I'm hearing a communicator, it can almost like, okay, don't, don't tell me to do that. But when you're, take, when you have a question and you have to take that back and you have to wrestle with it of what does this mean for me? How do I apply this? And I think Paul gives us several questions that we can take with us that as we look and seek to develop uphill habits are questions that we need to consider. Galatians 5, 7, though, before we hop into that, Galatians 5, 7, Paul talks about this. He goes, you were running a race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? And I love this because it's like the modern day, like, oh, girl, you were doing so well. What happened? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, dude, you lost so much weight. What happened? Like, right? Like, it's like the biblical version of that. And Paul's like, dude, you guys were going so well. Church, y'all were killing it. What happened? And I think what he's referencing here, there's a phrase that a lot of us have heard is, you can't drift upstream. You don't ever just wake up one morning and go, I lost the weight. Wow, would you look at that? Sleep number, thank you. That was great. You don't just wake up and be like, hey, you know what? I've spent money all week. I think I'm going to wake up with financial security. I think I'm going to wake up and just be at peace, right? We don't just wake up and just stumble into being closer to God. There's an intentionality that Paul speaks to. Hebrews chapter two, verse one, it says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away from it. And so these questions that Paul gives in this text to this young church, these are questions I just wanna kind of share with us here today. First question is, what is my routine? What is my routine? So we're just gonna define here this morning online. A routine is something you should already be doing. It might be something that you do without even thinking about it. We see in verse 25, Paul references kind of this concept with everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Now, when I was diving in, I was unpacking this. I'm like, well, what, what's the training? I'm expecting like back in that like New Testament time, I'm like, are they like walking around with these rocks that they're having to throw? Like I see almost this like just archaic type of deal. But when you look at it, a majority of the training consisted of dietary training. It was more so, if you will, a submitting of not allowing themselves to eat certain things, of not allowing them to taste certain things. And as that pertains to today, one of the things I was looking at when it comes to our spiritual walk, when it comes to our faith journey, is that I think a lot of that has to do with a certain diet. I'm not talking food, but I want us to look at our digital diet. Because I think our digital diet, our digital routine has a lot to say about the lens of which we look at the world that we're called to reach and how we look at it. I think our digital diet has a lot to do with maybe some of our mental health and how we are navigating certain things by what we are digesting. Now, I found it fun. A lot of us have seen a food pyramid. I got a fun little digital, little digital pyramid here. Now, you can see at the top, 
We have TikTok, we have Snapchat, some of your, your go-to social media accounts. Um, next level, you got YouTube. You know, some of you might have heard of that. Uh, and then next, if you see, we have the also favorite news outlets. There's CNN, Fox, Washington, Washington Post, and some of those outlets. And then you get down to work. You get down to uh, some of the, just like Spotify and some of your music, uh, maps, things that you just use to get back and forth and all that. Now, I would ask us as we look at this pyramid, if you were to look at your phone, and a lot of phones have this feature now that tells you how much time you've spent on certain things. It's like the app I wish wasn't there, if we're going to be completely honest, right? Because you might, I'm good, I'm fine. There is no way I spent an hour and a half on Instagram. What? And like, oh, it's like yelling at the scale. You're lying. It's like, no. <laughs> but in looking at our digital diet, I would ask ourselves, is there something that we are taking in that shouldn't be there? That if you will, like if there something you're looking at this, is our pyramid upside down, if you would, when it comes to the digital diet? And then even the scarier question, where does that time with God fit into all of it? What is that time praying for others? I heard from a, a minister recently that you can't post about somebody until you've prayed for somebody. And I was challenged with that because a lot of times the people I post about are the people I agree with. And the people I pray for, that's a different question. And I would ask that when it comes to our routine, is there something that we are digesting that is inhibiting our routine that isn't helping us accomplish the uphill goals that God has for us? Our second question, what is my rhythm? What is my rhythm? Verse 26 Paul says, therefore I do not run like, a, run like someone who is running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Now, I didn't really understand this until I was talking to my buddy Dustin. He's a runner. And right after he got done, like, you know, making fun of me how I ran, because I'm like, oh, I just got done with my a little mile run. He goes, oh, cool. I'm training for a 100-mile race. I'm like, awesome. Nobody does that but you. Cool. Hope you feel good. But I was asking because like, I was like, man, like, kind of what, like, what do you think Paul is referencing in this? And, and asking those questions, he's like, well, how you run has a lot to do with energy conservation. He's like, and when you're talking through and you look at the science of running, that there's a way that if you start running just wild, right? Like, some, like I watch my boys run sometimes. I'm like, you don't have a care in the world, do you, right? Like they're just throwing their arms out there. It actually drains you of energy. The rhythm of running that way uh, it stunts momentum. And that there was a, a way to channel and steward the energy to continue to make sure you had the energy to finish the race that you were on. And so as Paul is talking here, he's like, I do not run like a runner running aimlessly. Aimlessly, another uh, definition of that is without intention. So you could almost look at it, I do not run like someone running without intention, without purpose, without a destination, without a goal. And Paul is emphasizing this of like, what's the intention? What's the purpose behind it? What's your rhythm? One of the things that, as, I, as I've seen when it comes to habits, it's interesting that a lot of times when something happens in our life, when a rhythm gets upset, our spiritual habits are the first ones to fall to the wayside. Our time with God, our time in prayer, our, our time serving, generosity. When finances get tight, well, I can't tithe this month. 
I don't know if I can give to that. Like, and we begin to look at the spiritual one as like, oh, I, I can cut that out. But looking at and that, there's no way to accomplish the uphill goals that God has for us. One of the hacks that I have found that has worked for me, I don't know if it would work for you, it's called habit stacking. And I wanna just submit this to you here today. So habit stacking, it's this. It's before or after said habit, I will fill in the blank, new habit. Examples. Before I reach for my phone, I will reach for my Bible. After I get my cup of coffee, I will pray. When I come home through the door, I will turn my phone on to do not disturb. When I sit down at the dinner table, I will say something I am grateful for. And it's looking at how can we add into rhythms, routines that are there, a rhythm when it comes to these spiritual habits. And the question, once again, what is my rhythm? Are there areas in your life that can be, you can be more intentional? My last question I have here today that we pull from the text, what are my reps? What are my reps? R-E-P-S, what are my reps? Now, for those of you that don't know what a rep is, a rep is a number of times you complete a single exercise before taking a rest or a break. So like if you were to do one push-up, that would be one rep. If you did 10 push-ups, that would be 10 reps. If you wanted to do 20 push-ups, you might break it up into two sets of 10, but these reps, um, they can help you effectively pace yourself. Verse 27, Paul elucidates, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others that I would not be disqualified. You see, there's a discipline that comes on the reps to do the hard thing to do the thing that nobody else is doing, to, to go the extra mile, to go outside of your comfort zone. One of the things that you look at this model of routine, rhythm, and rep, a routine might be, I wanna read my Bible. The rhythm might be, I wanna read it every day. Your rep might be, I'm just gonna read a proverb a day. No more, no less. Can I tell you, that might be good to start, but you're not gonna grow from that. Spiritually, when it comes to reps, you're not gonna grow. Here's what I mean by that. When it comes to, when, when, you're, uh, when you're working out, you talk to people that are huge into lifting weights and things like that, they will tell you that the last rep should hurt the most. And I looked at her and I said, that doesn't sound fun. Like, I feel like me, who does not work out like as much as you do, like it was, I feel like this is fun. I wanna do this again. Like, I should probably, I wanna feel that way, right? That's gonna bring me back. They're like, no, if, you, if you're walking away feeling that, you probably, you probably cut some corners. You probably didn't push yourself hard enough. I go explain. They go, the last rep should have you thinking, I don't know if I can do this. Because it's in that moment you know you're entering new territory. It's in that moment you know, I'm going somewhere I haven't gone before. I'm working on something that hasn't been worked on in a while. And this is a beautiful picture of our faith journey because how many times have we come to a moment in following Jesus and we go, I don't know how I'm gonna pay this bill. I don't know how I'm gonna put food on the table. I don't know how I'm gonna finish this semester. I don't know how our company is gonna continue to meet our quota this quarter. I don't know how this is gonna happen this moment. And we come to those moments, we go, I don't know how. And a lot of times we just wind up going, then I just won't. And we leave these uphill goals unpursued. 
But here's the beautiful part as we follow Jesus. It's you will have the I don't know if I can do this moment. But it's beautiful because in the I don't know how I can do this moment, we find out what he can do in those moments. And then you get the story of the friend that comes and goes, how did that happen moment? I like to call him the look at God. It's the look at God. And we don't get the look at God moments until when it comes to our reps. I mean, I've grown up in the church and I'm scared if people find out that I'm just now reading the Bible. No, stop. Dive in. Stretch yourself. Grow. Our faith has no way to grow in a world of comfort. What's something you can do to step out of your faith's comfort zone today? This week, this month? There's a story I want to share. Um, I'm going to try not to cry this service. I cried first service. Uh, the story of Kayla Montgomery. She's behind me. She, a uh, young teenage girl, North Carolina, loved playing soccer. Was playing soccer and one day just collapsed out of nowhere. Started losing feeling in her legs. Her family takes her to, to get checked out and to see what's going on and finds out she has MS. And through different healthcare options and, and antibiotics or things like that, that she's able to regain feeling when she walks, but when she runs, she loses all feeling in her legs. She can't feel how fast she's walking or how fast she's running or if she's kicking the soccer ball, how hard. So like, evidently she had to kick or quit soccer. She had to give up. But she's a competitor. She was a fighter. And so the running coach asked her, like, hey, would you want to, would you want to join our cross-country team? And so she joins, and in this interview, they ask her, well, like, how good was she? The coach looks at the screen and goes, average at best. But there was a fight that Kayla had. And so Kayla, as she's learning to run, because once again, after she got to a certain point, she would lose feeling in her legs. And running long distance, you kind of need to know how fast you're running. Pacing becomes a real deal. Like she could feel everything from the waist up when she felt getting tired, shortness of breath. So she could feel that, but she just couldn't feel her legs hitting the ground. She couldn't feel how fast she was going. And these races, you would see these clips as she continued to practice. She went from being average to being the best on the girls' team to being the best in her school to being the best in the state to being 12th best in the nation. But I don't share this story to highlight the accomplishments because if you were to go back and watch, when Kayla would start this race, she would start and she's in the middle of this large group of people. And she would start running. And you start hearing this voice, this, this scream, and it wasn't apparent. And you look down at the center of the track and you would see her coach with her hat, his hat on. And he would start yelling. He's like, Kayla, you got two on you. You got two on you. Two on your left, two on your left. Kayla, you got two laps to go. You got to pick it up. You got to pick it up. Kayla, last lap, last lap. And he would begin to give her these cues of what is coming because she doesn't know if she needs to pick up the pace. She doesn't need to know or she doesn't know or can't feel if someone's coming up beside her. So he starts yelling and he starts coaching her these moments. But the beautiful part of this comes when she turns the last corner to the finish line. Because of her condition, because of where she's at, she cannot come to a coordinated stop. 
And that there's fear that if she was just collapsed on the ground that she would try to overthink and compensate and, and break a collarbone and break something. And so what happens is her coach stands at the finish line. As Kayla rounds this corner, she sees her coach standing at the finish line. Come on, Kayla. Come on, Kayla. You can do this. Let's go. You got one coming. You got to push. You got to push. And he's cheering her. He's cheering her on. And she is on this last lap. And you see every race she ends by falling into the arms of her coach. Where then he rushes her over to get ice on her legs just to begin to regain some of the feeling to where it can get back to the temperature it needs to be. And it's a beautiful picture of our journey of faith. Because there's moments every season, there, is, there isn't a season that we can go without it where we might be on this track. You might just be starting the race. You might be in the middle of your race. You might be coming to a completion of a chapter or a season. And you feel like, I can't feel anything. Is this worth it? God, do you see me? God, do you even notice me? God, have you even seen me the last 18 months? I feel like I've been overlooked, that I haven't been heard. But what we find, as it says in scripture, that we have a God. We have a God who is ever present. Hebrews 12, uh, chapter 12, verse one through two says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let us set aside any of those downhill habits, especially the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run, the, uh, run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he has seat, or has seat in the place of honor beside God's throne. You see this journey that we are all on. We have a savior that's sitting there, just like this coach on the end saying, hey, you got this. I've already paid the price. You got this, you can finish this. You got one more lap to go. And when we have this routine, when we have this rhythm, we have access to understanding what God has already said, what God has done, what God is doing. And so many times we miss this and we feel like we're just running, running aimlessly because we have disconnected ourselves from our coach, God, our Heavenly Father, who is sitting there cheering us on, who has made a way. And when we have the point in the beginning, someone has to pay the price. It's already been paid. It's already been paid that Jesus, the Son of God, as is spoken in Philippians chapter 2, did not see his position of equal to be something held onto, but came down, put on the skin of man, lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death, so that you and I may have hope. So what this challenge that we have here today, someone has to pay the price. Jesus has already paid the ultimate price. So when it comes to these uphill goals, maybe it's for your home. Maybe there's some of you that you're trying to build a home environment that you didn't have growing up. Maybe there are those of you that are trying to get to a place of financial peace that has robbed you of stress or just robbed you of peace, if you will. And I know there are those of us in this room and online that there's a place spiritually we know God is calling us to. There's things we want to see change in our neighborhoods and our communities. And it's going to come from us saying, as a follower of Jesus, I'm paying the price. With my routine, my rhythm, my reps, not on my watch. Because here's the reality. 
I love this church. I love it, man. It's a multi-generation. We have every generation represented in this church. But what, as a youth director, what I'm seeing, Gen Alpha will start going to middle school next year. The price that we choose not to pay, they will have to pay in the times to come. And the one I'm worried about, it's our commitment to the call. It's our commitment to the mission. How much more, how much more joy is it to see those that would have otherwise quit on their race finish what God had intended for them? I wanna be a part of that. We need to be a part of that. And so as we get ready to close out here today, and we consider those questions, what's my routine, what's my rhythm? What are my reps? Someone has to pay the price. We're gonna get ready to sing the song of God's faithfulness. But before we do that, I would like to everyone, or invite everyone to stand up. Because there are those here today that uh, we wanna give the opportunity to start this beautiful faith journey that is to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. If you're here today, if you'd be so brave, in a moment we're gonna give you that invitation. And out of respect, I'm gonna ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads, you two online. For those that might be a little bit nervous to make this decision. If that is you and you are here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm ready to make that decision. I'm ready to start that race. The journey of following Jesus. If that is you on the count of three, I just have you raise your hand real quick. One, two, three. Come on. Yep. Yep. Jesus. Jesus. We're going to pray this prayer together as an Emmanuel family. Online, if that's you as well, if you wanted to make that decision, I just encourage you to raise, just drop a, a raised hand online in the comment section. We're gonna pray this prayer together, all of us. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you're alive. Jesus, make me new. Make me like you. I'm not going back. I'm moving forward with what you have for me and your plans for my life. I commit my life to following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.